Warning, the following podcast contains coarse language and spoilers for the film and the title of the podcast. Now playing. That made me just want to be sick in my mouth. Movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, you goddamn fantastic people, and welcome to the podcast, Movie Reviews in 20 Qs, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam, and I am joined this week by one of our regulars, Liz. How are you going, Liz? What's happening? I'm going well, thanks, Sam. I feel very special because I got to be announced first tonight. I almost never get that honour. Nah, I, I usually save the best for last, so... So I've just gone down in your estimation. <laughs> yeah, very much so, because we've managed to pull a guy out of retirement. It's Topher, formerly of We Watched a Thing, now just a, I don't know, freelancer? Just living guy. a life of leisure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just gone to the fucking great podcast in the sky type thing. Is that, is that what's going on here, Toph? Yeah, just retired on my um, fat stack of podcast cash. Mean. Still waiting living to see one. Living the podcast life. Yeah. <laughs> so gangster. <laughs> mean. Um, glad to have you back, Toph. I know this was maybe your most anticipated film of the year. Maybe This was my most anticipated film of last year. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome Good to COVID. Point. Good point. Good point. It was um it was mine as well, and very excited to have you back. I know we are running on borrowed time almost for two reasons for you. One of which is you've put a baby down and there's potential that you might disappear halfway through the episode to go take care of the baby. The other one too is former podcasting partner might show up. Murder you? I'm pretty sure I've seen him hanging around outside your window there. <laughs> Just the red mist descending <laughs> over Billy. Oh, he'll be fine. He'll, he'll be, be fine. fine. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about June, the yeah, formerly 2020 film that's now 2021. It's just came out in the theatres here down under. Uh it's been out in the, for a while in America, and there have been other means of us being able to see it. However, us three all held fast and waited till it came out at the cinemas. Um, Such a battle. So, it was for two of us, I suspect. But um, oh, Topher, I know, has read the books, knows all about this, you know. So, typically now when we bring people on to do the plot, we do who's seen it the most recently. But because Topher knows so much about this, Liz, what is the plot of the film June? <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. Actually, uh, I think I could do this okay. Title of your sex tape. What did I even say? I don't even remember what the title of my sex tape was. Actually, I think I can do this okay. Oh, yeah, that probably would be the title of my sex tape. <laughs> um, okay, so, um, yeah, really really putting myself out there for potential suitors. <laughs> um, okay, so in the Imperium, uh, the Emperor rules, and he... Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, lost it already. What was I saying? Okay, no, scratch that. House of Atreides is sent to take over the, like, stewardship of um, this other planet where you can get this amazing spice shit, but the people they took over from, the Harkonnens, really got pissed off about it, and so... They uh, come in and, like, try and beat the crap out of the Atreides people. And then there's this whole side thing with a Jedi type thing, but it's not Jedi. What do you reckon, Toph? What do you you reckon? That was good, you know, the whole thing without mentioning the protagonist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can you blame me? It's Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm here in my pro Chalamet corner, and I'm happy. Okay. I'm happy here. Oh, look, he wasn't wasn't, um, bad, like... 
he surprised me in this and that I didn't dislike him. Should we just roll into our sandwich question? Are you just answering some of your things now, Liz? Or? No. No? Oh, well, no. I could, but I could roll into it. I'm ready to go. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll tee you up. I mean, our other usual blurb is that it's 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, 74% on Metacritic, so pretty, pretty positive reviews. Uh, and if you haven't heard this podcast before, we review a movie by asking 20 questions about it. We start with 10 that can be applied to any film. We then move through three personal questions each before finishing on listen question or Patreon question. Why don't we start with Sandwich? As I mentioned, one thing good, one thing bad, one thing good about this film, if we liked it. Liz, you, you know, since you're, since you're already chatting, why don't you start us off? Yeah, sounds good. Um, all right, so I'm starting with the fact that I feel this film has actually quite a simple but a compelling storyline, and the solid world building really supported it, which was awesome because I came in and in the first sort of couple minutes, I was thinking, oh my God, how am I going to keep track of all these weird names and places and people? But actually, I followed it pretty well, which was pretty good for me, I thought. You know, I really bought into it. I was really like, oh, okay, what's happening now? Oh, what are they going to do? Oh, this guy's come along. This isn't good or, or whatever, you know. And so I, I found that really great. My bad thing is that I found the sound really frustrating. And I use <laughs> frustrating specifically because I heard how it could have been good. Like there was some really cool techniques or I don't know all the fancy technical words and stuff, but it just, it was quite different and it was going to be really good, but then it was so fucking loud and it gave me massive tenant flashbacks where wow. I could hear the fucking dialogue <laughs> in the movie. I was thinking, oh, this is just like tenant. Irritated the fuck out of me. <laughs> this could have been really good. It really wasn't. But my final thing is that the visuals and the style made up for any frustrations that I had in the sound. I thought it was really creatively done. It looks great, especially compared to when I go back and look at like, the David Lynch film, which I watched like half of the trailer for. I'm not saying I watched the whole fucking film. I watched half the trailer and I was like, oh, damn, son, no. So, um, yeah, look, I surprisingly liked this film a lot. Like, it wasn't something I would necessarily go see and I didn't necessarily follow everything, but I almost didn't mind because it, I basically got the gist, unlike Tenet, where I was sitting there going, what the fuck is this? And I have no idea. I came out of that going, oh, I want to know what happens next. Fair so enough. I'm giving this film 8,008. Wow. That's out of Chris, those swords. What are the swords called? The Chris Knife. Yeah, Chris Knife. I'm giving it 8,008 Chris Knives. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, shout mm. out to Dan Brennick. You've got net f- next month's um, request of what movie we have to do as a Patreon exclusive. June 1984. There you go. There's a suggestion. Me and Liz. <laughs> no. I, really, I don't like David Lynch stuff as it is. So, yeah. Fair yeah. Uh, yep. No, good answers, Liz. Uh, on to you, Toph. What do you got? Uh, first good thing. Yes. And yes, positive. Because this movie fucking rocks. Um, first positive thing, Greg Fraser, mm-hmm. cinematographer who I already really liked. Uh, Melbourne boy, if I'm not mistaken. And this is like working with Villeneuve as a... As the cinematographer, like you're following Roger, like Roger Deakins finally won an Oscar working with Denis Villeneuve. Bradford Young, another cinematographer I fucking love, uh, did Arrival, which is a spectacular looking film. So the bar's pretty high working with Villeneuve. And this film looks incredible. Um, mm-hmm. The use of things like the use of darkness to make Arrakis to like, to convey the heat of Arrakis is brilliant, really, because, like, you'd think 
that you'd go more that like, you know, when they first step off the ship in Arrakis and you get that kind of almost jarhead moment where like you even overexpose a little bit just because of, of like the blazing sun and heat of this place. But then everyone's kind of lurking in shadows because actually you've got to hide from the heat, even though it's kind of counterintuitive to go dark for it. And it's fucking brilliant and it looks great. I'm just More giggling power to, to myself Fraser. about that because you're like super technical and, and like like really identifying these amazing techniques, whereas I'm like, I thought the spaceships looked cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's almost like he does it for a jobless. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like I definitely don't. <laughs> Me and Greg Fraser, definitely on the same level. Um <laughs> I think I dislike. I found the that that Ch- Chani saying this is just the beginning five seconds before the film ends was just very on the nose. Yes, and I could have, mm-hmm. yeah, I could have dealt without it. Um, yeah, not not great, not great. Um, my other good thing, like like just echoing Liz, like this, uh, we we give CGI a hard time a lot of the time, and a lot of the times with good reason because like you might be watching a Marvel film and having, like, a reasonable time and then the final 30 minutes is two dragons that you've never met <laughs> fighting and you're like, what am I looking at? This is a – what's <laughs> – like, what? And this is one of those great reminders that CGI done well is fan-fucking-tastic. And yeah, the blending yeah. of CGI with what they've actually shot in this film, um, sensational. Mm, yeah, beautifully absolutely. done. Is the score? So, eight thousand one hundred and sixty-five. For people that are not familiar with Topher and his "We Watch the Thing" uh, escapades, that's pretty high for him. It's quite mm. a good score. I wondered if he might go to a um, hyperbole sandwich in the beginning. But, uh, uh, um, Topher doesn't believe in hyperbole sandwiches. He thinks they're fucking bullshit. <laughs> I'm on record. I don't often <laughs> give them. To be fair, I've given them to two films ever. So. <laughs> Yeah, onto me. Yeah, good thing. Yeah, as you guys mentioned, this is beautiful. Like, it's stunning. It's well shot. You know, I'm not going to wax poetical because Topher's done an amazing job at it. It's just, it's just, it's beautifully shot. We went and saw it on the biggest screen that we've got around here, and I'm fucking glad we did. You know, it's, it is mm. purely made for a cinema experience. Um, the bad thing, yeah, it just drags in parts. This, like, it's the most beautiful and engaging and amazing, boring film I've seen in a long time. There's just yeah. too many parts where I'm just like, it lingers and it's just like, yeah, yeah, jack yourself off. You know, you, yes, this is amazing. Continue. Oh, let's have another shot of Chalamet fucking pouting. Oh, let's have another like, it, wide open yeah. vista shot. And I was like, yeah, I get it. Well, some more emotion. How about some more emotion? We get the emotion. Let's see some more action. Yeah. And, and even mm. then, like, some of the action scenes weren't shot as well as I sort of expect. But I mean, it's like, it's not supposed to be an action heavy film, which kind of leads me on to my next good thing, which is that. Uh, I haven't read the book. I'm not as familiar with the source material. I've played the video game, which was based on the book, and I've played, I've seen the 1984 film. So I know there, thereabouts about the story, but for someone that doesn't know it that intimately to come in and still have enough explained to you and enough to be engaged and to realize what's going on and know what's going on, you know, like, I think that was a good litmus test for me who was like sort of going into it, and especially Liz who's going into it blind. I mean, the other litmus test that we should talk about is Stacey, who, walked out of it was like that movie was fucking stupid and i was like what it was fucking amazing and she was like nah it was nah couldn't handle it had no idea what was going on didn't care about space jesus he seemed like a whiny bitch and i was like okay <laughs> so there's a stacy early shit sandwich but um back to me compliment sandwich yeah, yeah 8592 oh, so we're all pretty tight on the same sort of wheelhouse for the score yeah like it's it's mm. i feel 
like we'd sort of all echo that there's not much more that it could have done better, but at the same time it was just missing something else to catapult it that next next rung up sort of thing. But um, let's move on to question number two. First of which is a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of our man Dave Baker. Dave has his own Patreon as well at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. On it, he posts a ton of awesome content, uh, YouTube recommendations, essays on Medium, a whole bunch of good stuff. Anywho, Liz, what's his question? All right. Uh, he wants to know what two characters you would want with you at a house party. I feel like the correct answer here is Duncan Idaho and one other person who cares. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I wrote obviously Duncan. <laughs> like. Uh, partly Jason Momoa, but also partly because he just seemed like the funnest. Yes, um, great, great energy, great, great vibes from 100%. Duncan in this film. The, the second one, I'll go, I'll go Gurney is the second one for a reason. I'll do, I, I don't want to do very many in the book moments. I don't want to be that guy. But if you have Gurney around, you've got a really good musician on hand. Oh, right. Yeah. So you'd be like, Gurney, if you can just go in the corner with your, and, and strum away and give us some tunes, that'd be great. And not not in the way that people that, like, white guys do it at a party trying to <laughs> seem deep so that they can get laid. So playing I mean, Oasis Wonderwall. Gurney, I was literally Gurney about is, to say the same thing. Oasis <laughs> Wonderwall. Okay, the song. I don't think Gurney's doing Wonderwall. No, he's not doing Wonderwall. Has he, has he got a hurdy-gurdy? Because that'd be cool if it was Gurney on the hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> uh, I'm going with um, Lido Atreides. Just get me. Way. Yeah, that's fine. Well, you weren't talking about it, and I wanted to talk about Lido Atreides because he's attractive. Oscar Isaac, like, yeah, my guy, Oscar. Yep. Yeah, and he seemed like a pretty chill kind of fun guy. He seemed like a guy to have a couple of beers and have a laugh. And he's rich. You yeah. guys would both bang him. I mean, yeah, it's it's, yep. it's one of these things where it's like Jason Momoa or Oscar Isaac, and it's like that. Neither of them make me question my sexuality. I'm definitely bi. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm already had that confirmed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, um, either or happy as a clam. Both great. Count me in. Anywho, uh, yeah, the, the other one for me, Rebecca Ferguson, Jessica. I mean, oh, yeah. how good would the voice be at like fucking 1 a.m. when you're like, I really want everyone just to fuck off home? <laughs> and then Jessica's like, okay, you do the dishes, you take the rubbish out, you guys go fuck off. home. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. How awesome would that be? And you just wake up the next day and your house is clean and everyone's pissed off, you've had a decent night's sleep. It, she would be perfect for that. She'd be amazing. I love, I love how much of an old man you are now because, you know, 10 years ago you would have been like, how great would it be if you could just get her to get you another beer or like your neighbors to not call noise control? Yeah. And they're like, how good would it be if she could just make everyone go home <laughs> make, so I could sleep? <laughs> make everyone leave me the fuck alone. Exactly. And plus it's Rebecca Ferguson. I mean, fucking hell. Jesus Christ. She's a very talented you, actress. You, you realize we've now, like, we've officially, like, we're, we're old enough that we're attracted to the parents <laughs> in the movie now. Yes. And like, they don't have an infant kid. Their kid is basically a grown up, and but that's who we're into. Yeah. The parents. Yeah. Oscar it's Isaac. Happened. It's Rebecca happened, Ferguson. guys. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Lido Atreides. I'm there, man. <laughs> like, you know what Great I mean? Great beard game as well yeah. from my guy. Son and the dad. I'm going the dad, 100%. Absolutely. Anywho, uh, question number three. God damn it. I ordered us wrong. This was supposed to be Liz. Fuck <laughs> 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 it. Uh, Topher, on to you. On to you for the fun question. Question three is, what was the most preposterously insane leap of logic in this film? Okay, so we've already been talking about them, but Jason Momoa shows up on this planet, and then Oscar Isaac shows up on this planet, and then Chalamet. And the Freeman fought to themselves, yep, Chalamet, that's space Jesus. 
Uh, that's a fair call, although I'm imagining that, like, the – what were the name of the ladies? Like, the, the whole – The Benny Jesserit. Yeah, the, yeah, the Benny Jesserit were like, watch out for the skinny little nerd guy. He's the messiah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Freeman turned around afterwards and were like, are we sure we trust those Benny Jesserit? Because look at these other two guys. Exactly. But, Tall, dark, yeah. and handsome showed up. Medium, dark, and handsome showed up. And now skinny, white, and pale showed up. And yeah, he's moody. Space Jesus. Yeah, skinny, moody, and pale showed up. He's Space Jesus. Yeah. He's the one we'll yeah, be nah. waiting for. Mm. Disappointment. I went a little more technological in mine. I'm going that I just find it ridiculous that they have this amazing technology where they can wear body shields and that protects them against guns. And so, like, no one carries guns, but they can't protect them necessarily against swords. And I'm like... I'm sorry, I just don't buy that. If you could develop this incredible technology, you couldn't make it work against swords. That one is tough to explain in a film. Yeah. 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 Unless you have a character literally just sit there and go full exposition on it and explain something to a character who who would already know it anyway. I did see that. It is tough to explain in a movie. Gurney did try to explain. He was like, don't forget the slow-moving blade can cut through the shield over. So I could see that they tried to do it, but I was just like, yeah, still don't buy it. It would be hard to have someone just pop up and be like, hey, kids, here's a lesson. Boys don't work <laughs> on these things. You know what I mean? It'd be like, Ugh. okay. Cool science stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going with um, it's tough to buy that 8,000 years from now bullfighting is still a thing. <laughs> yes. Like, aren't we? Like, we're not pro bullfighting now, are we? No. Like, bullfighting's pretty on the nose. It's, it's on the way out. It's definitely on a downward yep. tra- trajectory, yeah. Anyway, that moves us over to question number four, which is Stacey's favourite question. How would you guys have incorporated Nicolas Cage into this film? I'm making him the flying Baron dude. Yes. Just because he couldn't have been any weirder. So make it Nicolas Cage. Put him really out there. Make it like that movie Mandy or whatever. Yeah. Like Stellan Skarsgård, amazing. Like rock the roll, Baron Harkonnen was really good at it. But I mean, yeah, it's it's the simplest Mm. answer. And because it's the simplest answer, usually means it's the most right answer. I mean, yeah, you could totally picture him as Baron Harkonnen, just fucking freaking out and all that sort of shit. I don't know. Like, obviously, I didn't read the book, so I don't know what Baron Harkonnen was meant to be like, but I just found him a little bit too over-the-top cartoon villainy type. Kind of like a Voldemort in the Harry Potter movies, like just over, overly done. If you done. think this Baron Harkonnen's over-the-top, you should definitely watch the 1984 <laughs> version. <laughs> I think yeah. Oh, I think I do remember that. And I was like, okay, well, I thought that guy was shit, but that is a ridiculous looking fella. Um, and the you know thirty seconds I watched the trailer, I think because we're in a good spot. Like you know, Pig has just reminded us only only a matter of months ago. Pig reminded us that Nicolas Cage can, if he wants to, he's still got it. Yeah. So really, you like you could cast him as a lot of people in this film. I also went the low-hanging fruit, though. Like, if you make him the Baron, mm. then he can either go understated pig, Nicolas Cage, or he can go wild-eyed 1984 <laughs> version. And, let it, like, I mean, it'd be fun. It would be fun. As, as much respect as I have for Denis Villeneuve, <laughs> and I imagine Nicolas Cage does as well, I don't think he'd know what Nicolas Cage was going to get on the set either. You know what I mean? Like, he'd have <laughs> Nicolas Cage there with a script and be like, just fucking let him do whatever he does. You know, he would yeah, potentially understated, potentially manic fucking psycho. Who knows? Anywho, uh, moves us over to question number five. What is it there, Liz? All right. Uh, what is the biggest dick move in this movie? I mean, 
the Empress sets up a war between the two most powerful houses yeah. in the galaxy. That's a serious death toll. Even if it goes, like, the the least bloody version of, of this story is still mass casualties. You're a dick, Emperor. He is a massive dick. And how, mm-hmm. like, what's his endgame here? Because he's going to empower the Harkonnens again? You know, he's going to take away their biggest rival. He knows they're going to be fucked over. Like surely but they're they going to go dumb. for the they're going to go for the emperor next, you know. But they seem dumb. Like they didn't seem like they had the real brilliance to take over or whatever and challenge him. Whereas Atreides was like a decent dude, and the emperor probably saw that and went, "Ah, you could actually get a lot of support." Yeah, he'd probably get more popular support. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. What was yours, Sam? Yeah, I sort of ruled out um, the Baron and the Emperor because I felt like they were too easy. Mm. The other one was the Doctor, like. The Doctor knows how, like, psychotic the Harkonnen is, but still he betrays the Atreides, you know what I mean? Like, he, he must have known from the fucking outset. There's no way that guy's ever going to live up to his agreement. He's never going to give his wife back and all that sort of shit, but it's one of those things where it's like, do you die wondering, you know? Like, or do you, do you basically go to the Atreides and be like, look, fucking, I've got my wife. They're gonna, they need me to, like, drop the shields and need me to do all this sort of shit. Like, he had a little bit of a redemptive arc, but still betraying them the way he did. You know, shooting Leto and like all that sort of shit. Yeah, I wasn't was pretty fucking annoyed at that. Um, I personally went for the guy who challenges Jessica towards the end when everyone else was cool with her and Paul, and then this other guy's like, "No, we must fight." And everyone's like, "Oh, for fuck's sake, do we have to, Steve? Like, we all just <laughs> want to get off and find the camp or whatever." And he's like, "No, I must. I demand satisfaction." I was just like, "Come on, man." I'm telling you now, that dude needed to get laid. I'm just going to spoil an answer for later. That guy needed to get laid. He had a lot of pent-up aggression. My fucking man. Holy shit. Did not work out well for him. It's just all that stupid pissing contest bullshit. I'm like, dude, just put it away. Let's get on with it. He's a good representation because that guy's a massive dick. 100%. In the book. (laughs) Turtle dick. You can tell. Probably be my runner-up for Nicolas Cage role as well, by the way. That would probably be a great Nicolas Cage. Yeah. You could definitely see Timothy Chalamet being able to take down Nicolas Cage in a sword fight. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Are we on to question six? We are. Uh, next question is also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of our man Julio of the Contrarians, an awesome podcast which rages against the Rotten Tomatoes machine by taking a universally beloved film and asking, arguing while it's shit. Alternatively, they take a hated film and sort of argue why it's awesome while giving a breakdown on the film. And then offer their real talk at the end. Julio caused a bit of a stir on this film by uh, saying he watched it the way Villeneuve wanted, which was on his phone. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I hate to say that. <laughs> I feel as dirty as you do, Topher. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, what's his question there? What's his question there, Topher? I was, ab- I was about to, like, say, hey, hey, Julio, miss you, buddy. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. Um, not now. Um. But Julio wants to know what our most controversial opinion about this movie is. I reckon this film easily would have got a into the 9,000s for me if we had Sting in a codpiece. <laughs> what? You wait until you watch the 1984 If you know, you know. If you know, <laughs> you know. Sting ripped to shit in a codpiece for seemingly no fucking reason. You put that in this film, you're going to get me over 9,000 easily. Maybe hyperbole. Maybe even hyperbole. I, it was what the film I was sh- missing. I should have known that it was something from the 80s uh, and then put it together from there because Sting in a Copy sounds like the epitome of the 80s. <laughs> I feel that uh, there was a casting error in casting Zendaya as Chani. Wow. Um, 
Yeah. Wow. I just, I didn't feel it for a start. I think it should have been a Middle Eastern actress. I felt like the Fremen should have been way more consistent across that because they were clearly based on Arabic people, like the language. There was a bunch of words that were real similar and the mm. desert people and stuff, but they seemed to just be this whole mishmash of random ethnicities and accents and stuff. And I thought, mm, I would have liked a bit more consistency there. Plus, I just found Zendaya boring. Like, I feel like there could have been a girl with a bit more vim and vigor. Although, I don't know who. I went looking for Middle Eastern actresses and couldn't find a decent one um, mentioned that if anybody would really have heard of, which I think is a pretty scathing indictment on Hollywood itself. But mm. there we are. Yep, about par for the course for Hollywood. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really pro Zendaya in this movie, actually. <laughs> yeah. Not that we get a ton of her, but actually, likewise, the the variety in the casting of the Fremen, like, because they... You know, there is a conversation in this film about just how many Fremen there are compared to how many they thought they were. Mm. So I actually think it tracks that it's not just a ubiquitous group of people on this planet. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Um, anyway, but my controversial opinion could be half an hour longer. Oh, <laughs> give me more. Give me more, Villeneuve. They're just giving you like it, a sequel, man. They're giving you a trilogy. Off the chain. <laughs> Five-minute sequences with no dialogue of Paul internalizing stuff. Oh, dear. Let's have it. Paul on Kellino or whatever, just looking out over the water. That was one where I was like, yep. I'm definitely going for a piss right now. I went for a piss, came back, <laughs> and I was like, he's still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is definitely controversial there. Hey, look, it was a good film, but I may have checked my phone twice just to see where we were at with timing. You couldn't really guess exactly where they were going to finish. So it was kind of like, oh, well, they've met the Fremen now. Does that mean it's going? Oh, no, it's still going. All right. Oh, he's seen shit. Oh, no, it's still going. What about that? No. So, yeah. It's, it's funny you bring that up because it was one of my, like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. But it was one of these things when, when I was watching it where I was just like, how are they going to end this? Because I feel like they're staying true to the book, which I knew they were, especially for a couple of the characters' demises and all that sort of stuff. It was just like, are they going to start adding random action scenes and all that sort of shit into it? You know, to try and, like, do the standard, like, action movie slash sci-fi action where it's just, like, you know, like, action scene, set up, action scene, set up, action scene, action scene, you know, and we didn't really get that, which I think was quite good, but, like, as you said, it sort of dragged towards the end and it was just, like, what the fuck? And I will point out that my entire audience sat through the credits. I got up and left. Wow. But I, I, don't, I know Marvel Films has done this to us, but the fucking everybody was sitting there waiting for a post credit scene. <laughs> I just felt like it wasn't going to have one. Like, it just didn't feel like a post-credits kind of movie. No. Well, you're a normal fucking person, Liz. It never occurred to me that there would be one. <laughs> yeah. The, the- no, I mean, often I think, oh, I'll stick around because I think there will be one. Like, um, well, the Suicide Squad movie, I was definitely sticking around. Oh, like a comic book film? Thing. You're going to stick around and yeah. wait to see if there's a post-credits thing? Because there yeah, always it'll is. it'll be funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah. we had a um, predominantly young crowd, which I think most of them were like, oh, fuck, I wonder when Loki's going to pop up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Could have been. Yeah. Yeah. That moves us over to question number seven. What deep philosophical debate arose in you while you're watching this film? Okay, so when I was watching and looking at, like, the political movements and stuff, I wondered if Atreides could have actually teamed up against Har- uh, teamed up with Harkonnen against the Emperor. Like, by saying, hey, look, the Emperor sucks. He took you off the planet you want. I don't want to go there. I want you to keep it. Why don't we go and take out the Emperor? <laughs> and then I was like, but is it okay to work with someone who sucks to take down someone worse? And I'm not sure. I think you're right in that the Harkonnen are too dumb. I think they would have been like, nah, we're all out for ourselves. Fuck you. We're not going to team up with anyone else. I say that, but yet they teamed up with someone else in this group. Yeah. 
Not I mean, they didn't the seem film, to want so, to, but yeah. they sort of followed the emperor. Bl- I think that they just followed the emperor blindly and thought, "Oh no, we're besties with the emperor." But I feel like Atreides could have been like, "Look, he obviously doesn't like you anymore. He took away all your money. Like, yeah, I think he, we should take him on." But they were horrible, like sociopaths or whatever. So you could see Atreides were never going to do that. But it just made me think, you know, would you team up with someone who is a bit shit to get rid of someone worse? Yeah, and lesser evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's in regard to the Bene Gesserit, who, of course, are the puppet masters mm. of, of the galaxy in this story. And I, I don't think this film wants us to be on board with what that order is doing. But I think you can at least, like, ponder to the ends that they're after, is that justification for their means. Because really, they are, ultimately, they do want stability and order in the galaxy. Which, okay, that's good. Yeah, but like, didn't ultimately no. Like, I'm not saying I come up on no. <laughs> because you go like, well, look, all these other dictators in in the world and the history, like they probably wanted eventual peace, just eventual peace where they ran everything and everything went the way they wanted. Well, what's the difference? And they're kind of on board with incest, so Eesh. no like, to know, the Bene if Gesserit. You've got a really hot. Bre- no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, couldn't. I couldn't do it. Well, I mean, there's definitely, you know, if you unpack Game of Thrones a bit, there's definitely some some Dune influence there. So, yep. Yeah, I could yep. see You never that. know. Yeah. Maybe that's where George R.R. was coming from. Maybe. A bit of Benny vibes. He read it and went, ooh, that could make my book more compelling. Mmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Could have. Yeah, on to me. Um, the, I don't know. I think this is maybe endemic of New Zealand entertainment journalism. But a lot of like articles and all that sort of stuff in our news, and even even my friends are like, "Oh, have you gone to see that remake? Have you gone to see that remake? Oh, that remake! Oh, that remake!" And I was like, "Would you class this like technically? Would you class this as a remake of the 1984 film?" No, no, exactly. That's exactly how I felt. Like I feel like this is a way more faithful adaptation of you know like the source material sort of. Well, thing. it's a like, book of the. It's an adaptation of a book. It's not. Yeah, you know, like they went in looking at the book. They didn't look, go and looking at David Lynch's film. Exactly. So, mm. like, I'll, that's I'll, it. For it to be a remake, Lynch's film has to be the source text. Yeah, which clearly it is <laughs> not. Clearly, is fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> was there anything from this movie that was the same as in the first movie, but wasn't in the book? In which case, you could say they remade that element of the movie. Liz, in both films, Paul is older than in the book. Oh, he's, fi- he's fifteen at the start of the book. But as if you're yeah. gonna, no one wants to work with a fifteen-year-old boy. <laughs> Ah, oh, okay. Topher, could you imagine if Villeneuve had popped up as the driver of the fucking, like, harvester? You know, like Lynch does in the 84 one. Just, hello, hi, hi, hi. Could you imagine Villeneuve just, hi, hello, hey, be, hey. Hey, well, Tarantino would have done it. Absolutely. Well, Tarantino would fucking do anything. So would Sean Milan. <laughs> While they keep putting themselves in their own films, I've got no idea. So, see, so, so was that. And my other one that was sort of followed up was, is a tree with a hundred lives. Because, you know, we have these sacred trees. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, fuck these trees. You know what I mean? Fuck who cares? Yeah, but the people aren't actually dying. They just ship in more water. I know, but they're watering things that need fucking don't, shouldn't even be there to fucking start with. Those trees shouldn't fucking be there. We don't need those fucking trees. Fuck those trees. Okay, so I feel strongly against trees, clearly. Absolutely. Anywho, that takes us over to question number eight. Also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of our man, Christiani. You're the fucking man, bro. I say every week, but it's true. You're the fucking man. Thanks for sharing my book, by the way. Saw your Facebook post. Thought that was amazing. Much love to you, Chris. Uh, what's this question there? 
is. His question is, what song would you drop into this movie and where? And I note that you've added as on the nose as possible. Don't let us down, Topher. What do you got? I'm using a bit of a long bow here because it's not a song that anyone would know. Well, maybe. Sam. Okay, no, Sam probably does know it <laughs> if I know my Sam. Because I thought to myself, there's got to be a remix on them interwebs of Anakin talking about sand. <laughs> and fuck yes, there is. Oh, my Lord. You guys are such nerds. I'd run, I'd run it for like half the film. <laughs> Anakin talking about sand N- with dub beat. Now I kind of want you to play it. Coarse and rough and it gets everywhere. It does get everywhere. It does get everywhere. I fucking hate sand. Yeah, I'm it with does you, Anakin get Skywalker. Fuck yeah, sand. Fuck sand. Not really down with killing kids, but I'm definitely down with fuck sand. Yep. It's worse for women. But is it okay if they were child actors, Sam? Well, they were child actors. They were. Look, George Lucas did authentically pull in childs to play child actors. So, so again, got, I'm with Anakin. Yeah. I've got one rule, and that's that I don't kill kids. But that rule's negotiable if the kids are dick. <laughs> Adrian Pimento, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. What, so what's your song then, Sam? Oh, I feel like I'm going to steal yours, Liz. Were you going to go with Daru Sandstorm? No. What? No, I've, I really love mine, but it isn't Daru Sandstorm. I was going to go with Daru Sandstorm, but I was like, that's way too on the nose. Just... <laughs> I can't believe you let me keep going. Neither can I. But um, the the other one that's really on the nose, uh, Hall of Notes, You Make My Dreams Come True. I don't know. No, Zendaya has been appearing in dreams throughout the entire of the fucking movie. Uh, yeah. And then when she pops up at the end of you, you make my dreams come true. Ooh, 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 ooh. So mine fits way closer to that one than it does to uh, Durant Sandstorm. I went with, I knew I loved you before I met oh, you. Oh, Picked a nice Aussie one in um, honor of our guest here. Come on, like the whole thing's about not loving someone before you meet them and dream of them and stuff. Obviously, that's the perfect thing to play at the end when Paul looks at Shani in, in the sunlight. Not fucking creepy at all, yeah. Oh, 100% creepy, <laughs> but it is creepy. So just, Zendaya says this is just the beginning and then needle drop on that. The best picture race would have been over. <laughs> Absolutely. Good times, man. Honestly, I was kind of surprised. Like After we seen that, after we heard the this is only the beginning – like retroactively thought to myself, I'm surprised that when he first saw her, he wasn't like, you're the girl out of my dreams or you're mm. the girl of my dreams or something like that. He has like, the, the sense to keep quiet about that. Alexa, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. that's a real no creepy, wants to hear that that's shit. Yeah, exactly. You're line. the girl of my dreams. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just about I, to fucking murder you, dude. <laughs> I have to say, I think we've got to scratch uh, Druid Samstorm from the permissible list because I used yes. that in The Mummy. You did. I think that one's done. I think that one's been yeah. retired. But we're keeping Savage Garden, I hope. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's so bad. You know who that takes over to question number nine? Was it that dope? Question number nine is what ca- we've touched on it before. What character from this film just clearly needed to get yep, laid? I've already answered it. It's the Freeman yeah. at the end who's incredibly angry and pent up with aggression. What about you, Liz? Oh, I'm going Paul. A, it's going to help get him a good night's sleep because the guy's not sleeping great. And everyone knows if you. Have a bit of fun times before sleep. It can help you help you sleep better. Uh, and it's going to make him feel a bit more like a man, a bit more ready to take on the uh, role of being the head of House Atreides. Well, I'm going to round us out with Beast Rabin. Again, like, like with Jamis, angry man, Jesus, Beast, <laughs> if that is your real name. I don't, I don't think it is. <laughs> I suspect it's not. 
I've got to hand it to yeah. Villeneuve to have Jason Momoa and Dave Bautista in the same film and actually have like great performances out of both of them. You know, but yeah, Villeneuve Villeneuve knows how to use Bautista. Like he was legitimately. It was really that opening scene of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. I was like, oh, can this guy act? Yeah, I mean, he's fine as Drax, but like to actually see legitimate like fucking emotion and acting out of him was awesome. And in this, like, yeah, sure, he's playing a brutish man, but at the same time, like, fuck. He's got some talent. Yeah. He's got some talent. And Momo was especially likable as well. Mm. Like, he actually was really likable, whereas I don't think he necessarily is every time. Like, you kind of can think he's a bit of a arrogant douche. Yeah, yeah. Aqua bro. Aqua bro. Mm, pretty much. <laughs> Permission to come aboard? My man. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you nice. doing? <laughs> Anywho, uh, let's move us down to our last question that can be applied to any film. Comes courtesy of our man Nick of Nikolai's Kitchen, a cooking podcast that's just more than that. It's a slice of life, and uh, yeah, it's just awesome. Links down in the show notes. Go check them out. As mentioned a million times before, Stacy will be on an <laughs> upcoming episode. I can't I wait. Knew you were going to say I that. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Anywho, next question: What type of meal is this film? Okay, I'm going a poke bowl. You know, like the Hawaiian dish with like the raw fish and stuff. I think it looks overly fancy for those with simple tastes. However, it's well put together. It's visually fascinating and it can be incredibly good. That's a good answer. Yeah, that's a really good answer. I know. (laughs) Now it's not. (laughs) Uh, Try to beat that. I've gone, I'm less specific. I'm just a high-end degustation. Sit back, you're going to be here for a while. It's going to evolve and change throughout the experience. But at the end, you're going to be like, I feel nourished. That was great. Have all my money. I went with a Wagyu steak because I love steak and I love Wagyu (laughs) steak. That's like fucking top of the line. That's awesome. But it has a truffle sauce. And that's enough for me to look at it and go, this is fancy. It's beautiful. It's delicious. It's fucking everything I want. But I don't like mushrooms. And by extension, don't really like truffle sauce. Like this mushroom sort of... It's not needed. It's not needed. You could just uh, st- fucking stick with the steak. Just keep it simple. So there we go. And per gram, truffles probably almost as expensive as spice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. That's it's fancy, right. it's classy, all that sort of shit. And uh, if only it could help you with interplanetary travel as well, but probably not. Well, I, I have taken some mushrooms before that helped me with interplanetary travel, but I don't <laughs> want to get into that. All my time spent in Amsterdam, it was... Yeah, I was about to say, Amsterdam, baby. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's why I don't eat mushrooms anymore. That's why I can't fucking stand the fucking things. Nice. Uh, anywho, that takes me over to my personal questions. First up, okay, guys, you have been sent to Arrakis. You're going to open up a, some sort of store there, and you're going to try and make a killing selling something. Can't be water. Can't be the obvious choice. Can't be water. What would you guys open up a store selling? I mean, it's got to be eye protection. The goggles. Zindel dancing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, the entire film, I was like, how are you not all just getting like dust and sand in your eyes all of the time? And the sun's really bright and hot. Like, how are you not wearing sunglasses? What the fuck, man? That made no sense to me i'm so glad you brought this up liz because it's one of my pet peeves is like literally any like baywatch movie or something like that you know like any movie that's set in a very sunny location or on the beach or all that sort of shit none of the main actors are wearing sunglasses yeah nah don't buy because the sense really whipping around at some points and none of them seem to be bothered at all and i'm yeah. like i know whenever and it's I'm coarse in, uh, and it gets everywhere exactly yeah. the sense sucks man Oh, I see we did that. That was a callback to the Anakin thing. Got it. Yeah. 
All right. What's an Anakin, well Liz? What's an Anakin? I don't know. <laughs> no, I know he's the dude from... He's Darth Vader. He's another space Jesus. Yeah. Another space Jesus. Absolutely. He's Darth Vader. He was, he was cute as a little kid. Oh, you should see these guys' faces, listeners. They are horrified. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> well, what, what are you going to do? Did I steal your answer? No, no. I'm going to open a shop that sells supplies for rock gardens and the people of Arrakis, <laughs> Arrakis can become those people with, like, faux Japanese gardens with the raked sand Aww, and shit. Yeah. And, like, I, I'd, I'd hate every customer, but yeah. I think I'd make a killing. That is a fucking great answer, Toph. The only other one, eye coverings, absolutely. Like, little gardens, never thought of that. The only other one would be patonk balls. I was like, they've got to have something to fucking take, the, you know, like, spend their time doing. And I was like, patonk, that's the only fucking sport you can play in sand. Great call. I was thinking, like, little handheld fans, you know, that you could, those little ones that you buy in, like, really hot countries and you can just, like, hold them in front of your face. Oh, they've got, like, little misting and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 Those yeah. would go down well. Let's travel across the fucking galaxy and sell tacky shit. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you could even have ones that use those recycled sweat and tears from, like, the tents and stuff. That's what those fans could do. Not and just could... sweat and tears yeah. in there, is it? <laughs> they can blow all that in your go... face. Glad they didn't go into too much detail with the still suit because, quite frankly, it's yuck. Yeah, heinous. I must admit, the following on from that, the scene where... Paul and Jessica get changed into their... Yes. What the fuck was that? That, yeah, got, that was unnecessary. It got really creepy all of a sudden, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Weird. Very odd. Uh, moves me over to my next question. Whose demise, and I will probably tweet about this question, so I'll say whose fate sucked the most balls? I mean, surely we agree on Duncan, because he was hot and his death was pointless. Like, he had no idea that his, like, leaping up stopped the death ray for that crucial moment. And frankly, if he'd gone with them, he might have been able to help them better, like, tipping over a table to stop it or something. I don't know, mm. something. You know? That just was dumb. I never get that when someone's like, go on, I'll hold them off for 10 seconds. Cool, that's really going to help a lot. <laughs> okay, so we've firmly established that if Liz was in a war situation, <laughs> she would never be no. the one to be like, Go on, I'll hold them off. She'll be like, fuck you guys, I'm coming too, man. Fuck because them. I know I'm not going to hold them off for very long, so it's pretty fucking pointless. Please just go with full pirate code on us. Yeah, full pirate Totes. code. Oh, look, if it meant that like my body was going to block the route and they couldn't get through it for some reason or something, you know, like if what I did literally stopped them all together, I'd consider it. But nah, Duncan's was pointless. Either that Liz is going to be the, the person in the zombie movies like, yes, I've been bitten five times, but fuck that, I'm still coming too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, Stay here I'm with a gun. No, 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 no. No, I'm like, okay, just shoot me in the head right now. That's, <laughs> that's what I am as soon as I get hit, bitten by a zombie. I have to say, though, they had to do it that way because it would have been really fucking awkward if they got through to the helicopter thing and they were, they were like, there's only two seats. And then Duncan's like, oh, I guess I'll stay behind now. <laughs> like. That would have been more awkward. Just hide in the sand, bro. Just hide in the sand. Yeah, that he, was cool. from the Freeman. That was fucking I cool. loved that. that I loved cool. it every time the Freeman leapt out of the sand. Yeah. What about you, Toph? Well, you know what, like, you know what the deep answer is? It's Paul. But he, when you it, take a life, you take your own. At the end of this mm. film, we do get the downfall of the innocent man-child that is Paul. He's no more. He's gone. Mm. So being being Space Jesus isn't all it's cracked up to be then. 
You don't want to be space Jesus, as it turns out. No. no. I don't really want to be Earth Jesus, as it turns out. So, Do you want to be Jesus Jesus? Jesus? Right. No. <laughs> well, that's what I mean by Earth Jesus. <laughs> what Any other Jesus? Jesus would I mean? Any type of Jesus? No. Being the Messiah seems really overrated. It'd fucking suck, right? Mm-hmm. Final question. We haven't really mentioned him, but Josh Boland's in this film. He plays Gurney Halleck. And uh, the last we see of him is bombs are raining down on Arrakis and they're going left and right. Uh, so, yeah, just curious. What do you guys reckon Gurney Halleck is up to at this point? And maybe, Tofi, you can enlighten us with the book answer first. Maybe we'll no, he, I should get to give my brilliant answer first so when it's exactly the same, okay. everyone will be wowed because I have not... Well, I read the book. Even better. Okay, Liz, hit us. Yeah. Hit us. What is he up to? Absolutely. I, I'm certain of it. If this is selling okay. a pyramid scheme, I'm already one step ahead of you because that's exactly <laughs> what is, what's happening. He's selling fucking, yeah, like Tupperware to like old woman, basically. No, but it's just as totally believable, which is that he got into like, into one of those um, Hakkinen's like ships or something and they found him. And then they just went, oh, screw this. We don't want this guy around. So they dumped him into like a space hole and he went through like a chute into like the like rubbish planet. So he's on the planet from Thor Ragnarok that is ruled over by Jeff Goldblum and he is now the champion fighter there. Bam! Okay. 100% what happened. It all leads back to the MCU, Toph. It's freakishly <laughs> it sure accurate, Liz. That's what happens in the book. <laughs> I knew it! <laughs> okay, um, now burst I'm not going to just give... I'm not going to just give the book answer because that would be lame and boring. So what, in my head, what Gurney's up to is he's basically a gleeman for all my Wheel of Time heads out there. He's, he's being Tom Merrillan. He's just whooping about, singing tunes, entertaining people. But if you piss him off, he can kill you really fucking quickly. Okay, but there's no debate about that. He definitely seems like someone who could kill you really fucking quickly. Uh, my answer that I was discussing with Liz today is that I think he got hit by some sort of bomb, which sort of like mutated him, made him grow bigger, turned him purple. You know, he's he's rolling around the galaxy now, calling himself Thanos. Like, I'm going with that. I'm going with that. There we go. Gurney Halleck is inevitable. <laughs> hey, I'm so proud of you, Toph. I'm so proud of you. That's just for you, man. It's infected you. <laughs> Not a good film. <laughs> We're going to fucking kill you. Uh, Unlike Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok was great. It rocks. Ragnarok's fun. Mm-hmm. I like Ragnarok. Oh, look at him trying to say nice shit about the MCU. It's breaking him inside. <laughs> if he wasn't okay, so hungover, well, he'd be like, oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> Before we break you entirely, how about I move you on to my first question? Yep, which what actually, do you got, Liz? What scene reminded you most of another movie? Without, without question, it's when they're first flying into Arakeen, the capital city, there's just mad mad Blade Runner vibes about it. Yep. And I think it is just awesome. I'm convinced it's totally intentional stuff from Villeneuve. Like, you replace the sand and sunshine and wind from the shots in this film with nighttime and rain, and that's a Blade Runner shot, complete with even the structure they're heading to. It's just complete knowing ripoff, and I fucking loved it. You could even, like, imagine. You could, like, unpack it further and think that, the same timeline exists and that part of, you know, machines going a bit wonky as they have a tendency to do in Blade Runner leads to why there's no computers in June. That's good. Yeah. That's really Seems good. Seems legit. Mm. Yeah. What about yours, Sam? Uh, my answer is pretty kind of obvious. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. There was, yeah. 
But Mad Max Fury Road is like an amazingly beautifully well shot film as well. And just like the oversaturation of color when they need to use it. And I feel that they use it on Arrakis a couple of times as well. But like most obvious answer when there's a fucking giant sand tornado twister coming towards them in Mad Max Fury Road. And yet that's the same thing that Paul and Jessica are flying into. It's like, that's about the closest I could come. Like any film nerd will know that like your favorite directors and all that sort of shit have a lot of homages or like winks, nods, all that sort of shit throughout their films. It wasn't a lot of this. Wasn't a lot of that. Villeneuve did throw in basically a very nearly threw in a um a twin sunset shot. Yes, as a little doff of the hat to Paul was space Jesus before Luke was the moon on moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did notice (laughs) that. There was a little bit of a George Lucas slash Star Wars nod. I did notice that. That was the only other one I could think of. But yeah. It actually made me think of Alien, just the technology, like the really basic buttons and stuff in the ships. Like it just really took me back to Alien where you've got like really basic setup as well. Yeah. Um, all right. My question 15. Um, there's this moment where Paul's talking to his dad about like how his grandfather fought bulls and his dad goes, yeah, but see how that turned out for him. And I'm just wondering how did that turn out for him? What exactly happened to Granddad Atreides? Granddad Atreides got what he deserved, is what happened to Granddad Atreides. <laughs> Stop fucking with balls, mate. It's bloodstained horns will wind up in your son's dining room as a reminder that you're a fucking idiot. Yep, exactly. You fuck with the ball, you're going to get the horns. Yep. Seems fair. I mean, really, why are you still doing that 10,000 years in the future? Um, my answer, um, he saw a bull bullying a bull, and bullies are that. He'd had enough of that bull and its bullish bullshit, so he... He realized he could make a billion bullion of blasting it, so he fired a bullet at the bull, and unbelievably, the bullets backfired in the barrel, and blamo, bye-bye, big dog, Atreides. Wow. Please don't ask Did that me all to happen in that. bulls? Yeah. A lot of bulls. <laughs> a lot of fucking oh, no, bulls. There's, there's a town in New Zealand called Bulls. Yes, it was in Bulls in New Zealand. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you should repeat it, repeat it ten times fast. No, I'm, I'm good. Okay. I'm fine. In that case, then, I will just move on to question 16, which is, what are you most excited to see in the sequel? I'm most excited to just see the casting announcements over the next couple of years. <laughs> so, like, who's who's going to be Fade Rautha? Who's going to be the Emperor? Who's going to be the Emperor's daughter, Irulan? Like, the, the casting in this, like, it's an absolutely stacked cast. And I remember every time they came out with, this person's going to be playing this person, I was just beside myself. Mm. I'm like, that's fucking, like, A, I fucking love that person. And it's just shit hot casting. For that character, I assume it will continue at this point. Who the fuck doesn't want to work with Denis Villeneuve? And I just can't wait to see who else is going to be inhabiting yeah, this little universe. There's something really special about when you have like a really favorite book character uh, or characters and just seeing how they cast them and thinking, oh, does this work or not? Yeah. What about you, Sam? What are you excited for? The Uprising. The Uprising. The Uprising yeah. on Arrakis and then following that, it's the, I can see where this is going to go in a lot of ways and can't wait. Can't wait. I want to see the Emperor. Like, I, I you know, there's so much talk about him and we didn't see mm. anything of him, did we? So I was just like, well, now I need to see what he's like. Just going to throw it out there. Gyllenhaal? As the Emperor. He's kind of on the youngish side, but at the same time... Yeah, like the Emperor of- does have yeah. a grown daughter. Yeah, exactly. So, but he, I mean, yeah, he could have he could have started early. Yeah. I know he's worked, he's with, he's worked with Villeneuve in, like, two of his earlier films. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Anywho, uh, over to Soph. My first question is that, I'm going to place you in a little scenario here. You yourself have a burning question, and having a clear understanding of the answer is imperative. And you can ask either Masked Javier Bardem or Masked Tom Hardy. Where are you going? 
Well, my answer is always going to be Tom Hardy. It doesn't really matter what the question is. <laughs> so you don't care whether you can understand the answer. You just it's just Tom Hardy. I'm not sure it's going to work either this way. Tom so Hardy. look, at least it'll be nice to look at for me. <laughs> Sam has maybe a different opinion. Sam is giggling. No, no, no. The funny part is I'm going to go with Tom Hardy, but only because I've seen The Dark Knight Returns, Rises, whatever. I've seen it enough times to understand, it doesn't matter who we are. What is our plan? I'm like, okay, yeah. It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. Got you. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like I'm more in tune with Tom Hardy and his vocalizations. Whereas, um, yeah, Bardem and this. What if he's Tom Hardy from Dunkirk? Oh, shit. See, now you're throwing some shit out. (laughs) Good luck. Fucking, it's good I'm points. sorry, how do I get to the hospital? <laughs> Honestly, couldn't they just like record them without a mask on and then put the mask on and pretend they're talking and then overlay it and then maybe we'd actually know what the fuck was going on? They redubbed most of yeah. his, um, his voice in Mad Max because yep. they were just like, Tom, just just say the words, yep. mate. So they redubbed Mad Max and they redubbed Dark Knight Rises as well. I think there's an original cut that Nolan put out. That like similar to Tenet and like no one knowing what the fuck was going on, they, they made the same fucking complaints. They're like we cannot understand a single word that Tom Hardy is saying in this film. So they like recut him and like fucking tuned him down so you can actually hear the vocalization as opposed to yeah, it's so necessary. It's so irritating. Then just like wait, what? Well, that's gone. No idea what that was. Mm. All right, my next question, question eighteen is: Would voice as a power, get you a gig in the Avengers. See, I'm here for you, Sam, you mate. I'm here. I'm, I'll throw you in Avengers. <laughs> I know. I love it, Toph. I feel like this is just a just a token question for me. But uh, so I'll answer it first. I mean, she's effectively Professor X in a lot of ways. She's sort of a close-range Professor X. It's the Jedi mind trick. It is. It's the Jedi mind trick. Well, no. More specifically, the Jedi mind trick is voice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I feel like if fucking Hawkeye and Black Widow can make it into the team then surely someone who's actually got a superpower can. Yeah, look, um, to me it was an absolutely because I'd certainly rather have that someone with that skill on side than, say, Drax or Rocket. Like, What? That actually feels useful. Sorry. Like, super strength. A super raccoon. I'd rather. Okay, the super raccoon's kind of cute. but (laughs) He's also like an engineering genius. Like Hawkeye. Hawkeye shoots arrows. That's it. He's got accuracy. Mind control's got to be better than a bow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of others as well, but like you'd already said them, so I was giving okay. a couple other options. Uh, and it made me think- And of- now let's stop this movie to make you try and care about the family of the character that you don't care about. Yeah. Fuck yeah. off. Which one's that in, Sam? Mmm, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Next question, last one from me is, who is your favourite white saviour? Can be Can be real life or- such a good awesome question because it's so amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. What's it? I do have one initial thought on this though before I actually answer the question, and that is, if Paul and Jessica were the result of heaps of crossbreeding across a whole bunch of different people across the galaxy and stuff, and there were clearly people of all sorts of races across the galaxy, then shouldn't they have been mixed race? Like, if they were looking for the perfect person, why are they white? I mean, they had a bit of a look. He had a little book of Spanish from, which I thought worked quite well with Oscar Isaac as his dad. But she was as white as white as snow. Like she's Swedish. I will say, just wait. There is a point to it. Okay, okay. good. All right. Well, now I can answer the question. But Sam can go first if he wants. Okay, cool. Uh, my favorite white savior is Falcor, the giant flying dog in the never-ending story. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tim, it's way better than mine. I did like that dog. Well, I went more in line with the actual theme of the question and chose um, the guy from A Time to Kill, like Matthew McConaughey. Because at least the black guy gets to avenge his daughter. You know, like they give, it's, you know, it's not just the white guy solving everything. He's just solving this one problem, but the other guy like totally nailed it. You know who mine is, Sam? Jurgen Klopp. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I don't know what you just He's said. the white saviour of Liverpool. Oh, he okay. He absolutely is. That's a fucking great answer. And that takes us down to the end. As I mentioned, our final question comes courtesy of a Patreon. This one is courtesy of our man Dan Brennick of Netflix and Swill, a podcast that covers all things Netflix related. Tune in in a couple of weeks for his episode on The Witcher Season 2. I'll be on there. Because as much as I love the MCU, I love the Witcher series, including the books and all that sort of shit as well. So I can't wait to see what season two does with it. But anywho, uh, yeah, link down in the show notes. And Dan's question this week. How would you have inserted Blink-182's song, All the Small Things? (laughs) That isn't the question, Sam. I know it's not the question, but I just wanted to troll Liz. Dan's real question for this week. Who was the true MVP of this film and... It can't be the main, but at the same time, I don't think any of us would have picked Paul. So what do you guys reckon? Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm able to now troll you straight back yet again because um, I was suspiciously silent when we were talking about the dick move because my pick is the Doctor. Really? Like, yep. Like, yes, he had to betray the Atreides house, but like he did it for his wife. And so that's lovely because – and also just I think there's a lot of people who – you know, you have to do that for someone that you love. You you couldn't say no. Um, I'd let Sam die. Yeah, yeah. I'd, oh, I'd yeah. murder Topher easily to save thousands sure, of people. Sure, but what about <laughs> Stacey, all right? We'd all try and save Stacey. No. No, we're talking about true love. Me and Sam. Okay. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like that eternal love, not fucking uncomfortable. So... have a baby love. Come on, man. Anyway, the point is I'd save Stacey anyway. But the point is he managed to set it up so Atreides could kill the Baron and a bunch of his right-hand men. I mean, it didn't work out, but he really tried. And that was pretty creative, I thought, the way he did that. He also made sure that Paul and his mother had the necessary equipment that they would need and the ring. And, like, he just did not have to do that shit, and it probably was really hard and put him in extra danger and stuff, but he still did it. And I think everyone would have been way more fucked had he not done that stuff. They also would have been way less fucked if he hadn't gone Dennis Nedry and fucking put the fences down. Yeah, but I feel like that would have happened regardless. Like, they were coming in, right? (laughs) Someone was going to betray them. So at least it was this guy who, like, Dennis Nedry did brought nothing. Dennis Nedry was a fucker. This is, at least this, this is guy like, tried to This help. is like Gollum's the true hero of Lord of the Rings sort of shit. It's like, yeah, but he's still a Weasley little prick. Yeah, no, the guy's sick. He was doing it because of someone he loved. Well, Gollum loves the ring. Okay, well, that's not the same. What is, what's your <laughs> brilliant answer then? We already know my opinion as um, well, by the way. Like, fuck that guy, man. Like, fuck, no, come on. The Baron's disagree. never going to give his wife back. You know, fuck, I'd no, rather die No, but at least he might get her killed suddenly as opposed to, like, tortured over years. Load of shit. Tofa, what do you got? <laughs> um, I've got Liat Kynes, and partly that's just because I really, really liked the depiction of Kynes. In this film, I thought I don't I don't know um, Sharon Duncan Brewster from anything else. Um, I thought she was arguably best on ground in this film. Yep. I thought she was bloody great. The anyone who's up in arms about 
them gender swapping yeah. a character, that's great because you're probably the kind of person that I'm glad is annoyed. So go fuck yourself. Right. Kind right. is awesome. Absolutely didn't need to be a man or a woman. Like it could be, it really didn't matter. That's it. Because in, in Kind's in the 84 version is Max von Sydow. So they've gone from the whitest man <laughs> mm-hmm. who ever was. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I thought she was great. Yep, agreed. Um, she was actually my runner-up. She was my runner-up. The uh, the only one that could top that, and uh, I know you're as big a fan as I am of a voiceover, so that's why I'm going to give my MVP to Zendaya for giving me a voiceover at the start of the film and for me not hating it. For me not immediately going, this is a lazy cop-out. This is a lazy fucking cop-out. Uh, Liz, you brought her up before. You said, you know, mm, pretty average. Toph went to bat for her. But my tongue, I thought Zendaya did a good job. If she can yeah. sound me on a voiceover, I'm there. All I can say is like, I can't wait to see what she brings in the future. So, yeah, there we go. I am really looking forward to to that character in the sequel. I think I think we're getting some good Chani action. Mm. Anyone that's seen Malcolm and Marie knows that that girl has some acting chops. Like she, fuck yeah, off. She has got she's got something else. So, very much looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, that takes us to the end. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you to our patrons. But also, thanks to these guys. Thank you, Liz. Thanks for making a welcome return to the podcast. Oh, you are very welcome. So polite. So polite. Sometimes I can be if I feel like it. (laughs) And thank you for Toph for coming out of retirement to discuss this film. Thanks, Sam. This is the least hungover I've felt all day. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, Toph, do you want to plug something? I can do my guy Billy Solon and plug We Watched a Thing, which this week we'll also be doing the new Dune. Nice. Also recently did the 1984 Dune, if you want to hear <laughs> some people crap on a film for 30 minutes, um, by all means, check that out. I've listened to that episode. Stacey is also actually, like as much as I petitioned her to be on Nikolai's Kitchen, she actually is on We Watched a Thing this week. She did Wizard of Oz with Billy. It was amazing to hear Stacey guest on another podcast. Give A 10,000 out of 10,000 film, is it not, It, it absolutely is. It's the one time she gave something a hyperbole sim. No, wait. Wrong. She, promising Young Woman. She gave Promising Young Woman. Correct. Because she was like, I don't want to say anything negative about this film, so good on yeah. yeah, good on us. But no, seriously, um, again, thank you everyone for listening. If you guys would like to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In, alternatively. On Facebook and Instagram at Movie Reviews and 20Qs. And, uh, or send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. Upcoming episodes, we're going to try and see how many people we can get in for next week's episode on Home Alone. After that, there will be the new Spider-Man film. Unsurprisingly, we're going to do the new MCU slash Sony Spider-Verse film. And then uh, we go on our break. But um, we are getting Ghostbusters Afterlife and Matrix 4. But we will be getting that uh, towards the end of January, probably. Early Feb, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Anywho, that's thanks from me. Masalama. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Toph. All right. Uh, he would like to know. Oh, did something just go off? Yeah, try that again, Liz. All right. He it was like Billy. To- <laughs> he knows. He fucking knows. He knows. He knows. A kind of. No, let me start that again. That was fucking dreadful. <laughs> Top quality podcasting. I knew you were going to say something about that. Eight. Also, a Patreon question comes courtesy of our oh. man. Fuck. <laughs> I was mid following this podcasting I'm- with you, Sam. Top quality <laughs> podcasting.
<laughs> I got it in your face. When you were walking over, I only saw that you had like a dark can and thought you were still like on the Woodstocks or something. Yeah. <laughs> Much use fucking mating juice. That's what fucking Woodstock should be called. Oh, oh. Uh. <laughs>